0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today, I'm talking to Howard. Howard's wife, of over 40 years, died after having cancer for five years. Today, Howard tells me how he took her ashes on a road trip, visiting places they'd been to in the past. Howard, Tell us about the first road trip you ever took with Judith.
1: Okay, well um, when we first met, it was back in the 70s at Teachers College and um, after we had a bit of a relationship going we decided that we'd go to Australia uh, for our summer holidays. But That idea got scuppered by appearance, parents and um, so we had to think of a plan B. And somehow or other they approved us going for a road trip around New Zealand. So I had an old car, an old hillman, and we loaded it up with our stuff, camping gear, and we got all the way up to Cape Rohingya in this old hillman and back, I don't remember how long it took, but it was the summer holidays, and that was the first year that we were really um, a couple. So um, that was was our very first road trip, and um, we've done road trips almost annually in different places ever since. Yeah, so that's how the first one happened.
0: So, dialing forward de- several decades, tell us a bit about Judith's illness and how it unfolded.
1: Right, well, um, Jude was diagnosed with cancer about five years ago, um, after being having unusual symptoms for some time before that. And, um, we got the dreaded news that she had esophageal cancer, um, which led to a huge, just a whole complete change in direction for us. Um, so she absorbed all of the medical care that was offered to her, which was substantial. Um, so the idea was that um, this, uh, this cyst in, at the bottom of her, her esophagus was to be shrunk with chemotherapy and the dose of chemotherapy was quite high so that really beat her up and knocked her around. And then she was to have her surgery which turned out to be major surgery, it's about as big as Dunedin Hospital does, uh, t- a 10 hour surgical mm-hmm. session and um, we found out, out after the surgery from the surgeon, he said that they got almost all but not quite. and. He was hopeful that maybe the little bit that was remaining would be controlled with chemotherapy and radiotherapy. So after her surgery and the recovery, she she went into that process. So she pretty much took all the treatments that you associate with with cancer and did it really well. But um, she recovered from that huge surgery very well to the point that she could go back to work. She went back to work for... But less than two years um, and, and was getting checkups regularly. And it was only about uh, two and a bit years ago that we got the dreaded message that it was back. And um, so that led to another session, another surgery to remove a, a growth and more chemo. Um, and yeah, it was just a slow decline from then on. So pretty hard five years just seeing her deteriorate.
0: During the course of her illness did you ever talk about what she would like done with her body after she died?
1: Yeah, yeah no, we, we both discussed, even before cancer um, that we would both choose to have, to be cremated and she, she was a very private person she came from a family that are quite private and she did not want a large funeral process, um, she really just wanted a a private family process um, and as the time got closer we we did have discussions about what she would want done with her ashes after the cremation and we couldn't really initially come up with a, an idea that that worked for both of us until one night um i just happened to get a little idea about a road trip and um it developed and I sort of fine-tuned a little bit and the, the next time we got around to talking about it um we both felt really happy with the idea she was relieved and yeah that's that's where it went it was just going to be one more road trip.
0: So tell me about the idea and the-
1: well um uh, because she died during the COVID lockdown we couldn't have any kind of farewell for her so um all of those things that we wanted to do really got shelved and we still haven't actually had a a proper farewell. So um, she died in May Um, that was sort of the start of winter Um, the road trip didn't sound like an ideal uh, time to take during winter so the idea was to wait until after the winter had passed and then the weather was warming up Um, and that Dovetailed in with an idea that we'd had well before she got sick that we i in particular like mountain biking and we'd bought an e bike for her and and me and we both agreed that when the time came that we were both retired we'd we'd do a big road trip with the e bikes and ride some of these wonderful trails all around New Zealand that have been developed um, so that was always in my in the back of my mind, and I thought, well hey, I can combine the two things here I, I can do the bike riding, and, um, and I can take Jude with me. <laughs> so that's what happened, yeah.
0: So in what vehicle did you travel?
1: Well, um, I, took, I bought a van because um, I've got an e-bike, and e-bikes don't like being drenched very much, and I knew that I was going to strike some bad weather soon, somewhere along the lines. Plus it gives you lots of space just to chuck your stuff in, not be too... Fussed about um, how how packed you are. So yes, I bought this van. My bike just rolled in the back nicely. I could strap it in place and it was secure. And I could lock the van with the bike inside when I stopped for the night. And it was it was a good solution. So the van was perfect. And um, when I bought it for not very much money. Um, I thought it was going to be a do-the-road trip and go, but I bonded so much with the van that that's a keeper. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't know how I'll get rid of that old girl. It's a, it's really turned out to be a a favourite.
0: So where did you go?
1: Um, well, the trip was really to include all of New Zealand. So um, my daughters, I have twin daughters who sh- share their birthday with me. So we have a birthday, um, the three of us, on the same day. So... They both live in Auckland. Um, they came down for our birthday weekend, and we, we did a little bike trip over in Tiaroa. They had to go back to work, but one of them had annual leave that she was being encouraged to use, so she stayed behind. And so after the birthday trip, um, we packed up, uh, and about two days later, off we went. So we, uh, I love the west coast of the South Island, and I'd previously I'd recently been there on a motorbike trip, and. Uh, I suggested to this daughter who was still with me, hey, let's do the west coast instead of go up the east coast. So we did. Um, it was stunning. We did a helicopter ride up to the Fox Glacier and really had a special time. So um, we took about three or four days to get up to the top of the South Island where um, she eventually had to fly home to Auckland. I had a bit longer there with staying with friends, and that was the first area that we actually sprinkled two ashes uh, up in the Nelson area so we chose that area first because um, when the kids were small we used to go to Nelson regularly for our summer holidays and one of our favourite places was Rabbit Island which is a a lot of people know about it's a lovely big long safe beach for families and so um, we sprinkled some ashes there and one of the other places we used to go was to a river nearby called Aniseed River Valley and um, we went over the hill to Aniseed River and there's a picnic ground there and we sprinkled some ashes there too. So those were the first two places and then it carried on from there.
0: Were there other significant places you stopped in at that had been significant to you and Jude?
1: Oh yes, um, lots of places. Um, She and I on another road trip had stayed at a, a lovely little cabin on the beach at Tata Tata Beach uh, up, up past um, Takaka so I did a trip over the hill and uh, sprinkled some of her ashes there at Tata Beach um, which is a stunning area um, what else was it I think that's probably it for the South Island on the way up um, after I crossed Cook Strait I joined up with another friend who had wanted to had a long history with Jude and me and he wanted to be part of it so I had his mountain bike in the van with me and we carried on for a week travelling, uh, doing bike rides every day and um, this was probably a little bit more of int- of, of our interest, the, of the bike riding, it wasn't so much. Jude ca- um, came along for the ride as mm-hmm. well of course but mm-hmm. um, we eventually got up to Wahi Beach where um, We stayed a couple of days he flew back to Otago and I carried on we've got a a very good friend there who we've stayed with many times and who's also lost her husband to cancer so um she was she asked if if Jude could be sprinkled in her garden and we did and um that was pretty powerful emotional experience because we're both saying goodbye at the same place Mm -hmm. and um I stayed with her a few days and then moved on. We went round the Coromandel. We'd had holidays in the Coromandel lots of times and um, Hahae Beach was another place that was special to us. We stayed in a cabin in the camping ground there and um, we did a walk up onto a headland so I took her with me and sprinkled ashes up on this headland path that um, we've got photos of and uh, we talked about afterwards. Um, And then... I carried on and pretty much got to Auckland where my daughters live, stayed with them for a while and then carried on further north and it became, as I was doing this, um, I was made aware of the, uh, the Māori um, cultural idea of Cape Reinga, where the spirit leaves the land and I thought this is just perfect. Um, So that was my destination after leaving Auckland, so um, I made it up to Cape Rayanga on a beautiful day and um, sprinkled some of Jude's ashes there to fit with that idea, which is um, not part of my culture, but I absolutely um, understand and and love the concept. So um, that was the top, then it was time to turn around and head south, so... Uh, we had a, a join up with I had a join up with my daughters and Russell in the Bay of Islands where we'd had our last family holiday. All five of us. Um, I have a son who's locked out of New Zealand at the moment who lives in Sydney. So um, two years ago we'd had a holiday just after we'd heard of Jude's terminal prognosis, and it was a holiday where all five of us were together and Jude's desire through that time was to have a proper, regular, normal family holiday where the terrible news that we were living with wasn't going to spoil the enjoyment of the time. And and that's pretty much what happened. So we sprinkled some ashes under a beautiful pahutakawa tree on a beach where we'd swum at that holiday, Um, the three of us, my girls and myself. And that was it, I sort of came back to Auckland had a bit of a, took a deep breath and then headed south again so the final place was really in um, her sister's garden where we'd spent quite a bit of time for Christmas days and stuff like that so her sister wanted some ashes sprinkled there so that, that was the final sprinkling and I've come home still with, pl- with plenty of ashes left mm-hmm. and um, both all the kids want to keep some for themselves so That'll all happen. So that was about it. it took eight weeks.
0: <laughs> well, so given that you didn't have a funeral or a, a ceremony to mark her her death at the time, did this trip in, to help you come to terms with the fact that you died and you starting a new chapter of your life?
1: I think it was that. I mean, I, I wasn't. I didn't set out with that purpose for it to be the the final. Uh, I don't think you ever get over these things, and I understand that very clearly now. But coming to terms is probably a good, useful phrase because um, it it takes a long time, and I I don't know if it ever disappears, where you have to accept that um, you can't come home from somewhere and tell your loved one your story. So you save those things up. And I... um, I've got around that by keeping a diary. So I, I've kept a diary since last Christmas holidays and um, I do an entry every day and sometimes it's me talking to Jude. Sometimes it's just reminding me what I had for lunch but um, it's pretty basic and, and it just keeps track of what I've been, where I've been and what I've done.
0: Were you at all concerned that by going to places and spreading Jude's ashes there you might then associate that place more with her passing, and that that might make that place a place that it's not easy to return to, or not.
1: No, no, I've never felt that way. Um, I think I think I might have struggled had I not done this, uh, uh, this ash spreading or uh, her ash spreading. Um, I feel as though now, if I go back to those places. It will be a reminder of the the great memories that we've got of it, rather than thinking the last time I was here it was with Jude. So it's it's a bit of a tra- it's transitioned from um yeah a, a potentially sad return to a place to a place where I sort of feel settled about. It's it's just helped me settle about that about that. Experience and and I I feel her spirit will be with me there, but rather, but it's in a happy way, not in a sad way.
0: What did people think of you taking her ashes around the country and spreading them in this way?
1: I've heard nothing but sort of good feelings about it. Um, uh, I've sort of heard of my my daughters have said they've told friends who've told their parents and and, then. all the feedback's been very positive and um, yeah there hasn't been there's been no one who sort of looked at me with a quizzical look as if to say well why did you bother doing that it's always been good Um, I bumped into a woman who I was just doing some bank business with recently and told her and she burst into tears so it's got an emotional thing for sure and and um, I think particularly women may understand um the pregnancy of it I'm not sure but it worked for me so that that makes it good
0: and I know you'd approved of you doing it before you ever did it but looking back after you've done it what do you think she'd think of it now
1: well I knew that she was happy with the idea um, when we discussed it and I'm sure if she's looking down she'd be very happy with it yeah
0: it also gave you a valuable opportunity to do this, these actions with your children. Mm. And so how was that?
1: I think it's pretty, uh, it, it's very much worked for them as well as me. Um, they obviously didn't participate at all the places, um, but but they shared it at the places that they were able to. And on each occasion, we both, we all got emotional about it. I mean, it's, it is the, the actual Few minutes or so of opening her little casket and taking out the ash, with a, we got a nice little wooden um, scoop if you like and we each, when we were to, all together in Russell had a little scoop up and, and sprinkled it under this pahuka which was our favourite tree and just coming into flower and yeah I, I think they really enjoyed it, it's been good for them it's been good for me
0: did you speak to your son about it and how did he feel that he's been excluded because he's in Australia?
1: Yeah that's a good question I I really don't know the answer to that Um, given that he's not been able to be back back here um, he was here last February which is a couple of months before Jude passed away. Um, I don't really know how he feels about it Um, I've encouraged him to have some counselling I've taken some counselling um, to help me with this and I know um, one of my daughters also has done the same he tried it and he didn't. He felt he didn't really have a great experience so I've suggested to him to don't stop there just move on to someone else that might help but um, yeah I, I just feel with the the lack of being able to travel the lack of him being able to be here and be with us it's, it's probably going to be tough on him and he has expressed that he feels that when he finally gets home um, he might find it quite tough mm-hmm. but yeah boys being boys we don't really communicate as well as we should and uh, I try and stay in touch with him but uh, yes he's in Australia and we're here and we can't really mix very much, so it's tough.
0: So you and Jude were together for over forty years.
1: Yeah, yeah, forty-three.
0: And, and now you face a life going forward without her. Hmm. So what does that hold for you? At the moment.
1: Well, um, you can't get away from the fact that it's lonely. Um, I don't know. I. I I was really surprised that a nurse said to Judith once when she was ha- physically ha- having her chemo treatment, she said, the nurse said to Judith, do you realise that a very, very high percentage of men partner up with a new partner within a year of losing their wife? Which I thought was very thoughtless and very unnecessary, um, which, and, and, which it didn't seem to upset Jude it physically. Um, I couldn't see the upset, but it upset me, actually, because it was like someone's predicting what will probably happen. And, yeah, I, I'm certainly in no rush to find a new partner, um, but who knows? I mean, never say never. There may be something happening in the future, but I, I don't know yet. Yeah.
0: And in terms of the home that you shared with Jude, do you still live in the home that you shared with her?
1: I do, yes. We, um, we built a home which, in which all the kids were born and we raised and went through school, and yeah, it's a proper family home. And, yeah, it was tough coming home, actually, coming after that trip um, to an empty house. So um, I am in the process of thinking about my future in that respect um, with both daughters living in Auckland, and me here, um, I feel that one day hopefully there'll be um, grandchildren in our future and I'd like to be closer to them for that reason and even even if grandchildren don't, don't appear at least, um, being close that we can share weekends more easily than we do now so it's possibly something to happen in the future.
0: Thank you so much Howard for talking to me. Many societies have ceremonies to observe the loss of a loved one. Thank you so much for sharing your uniquely personal but also typically Kiwi way of observing Judith's loss.
1: Thank you.
0: You've been listening to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Cafe Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death. And, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.